You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined with a really special guest, Jacob Van Hooser. Uh, What I really like about Jake is he is actually a big fan of the show and reached out to me just from listening to it and started to, you know, asked me about my experience and I started to ask him about his and he, he turns out to have a tremendous amount of experience. And I thought um, having him on would be a great value to, to share with all of the listeners. Um, so maybe, maybe he can help out some folks like um, he's found the previous guest to help him. So Jacob, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Jacob, do you want to elaborate a little bit on your backstory? Tell us kind of how you got into real estate, what you were doing before, maybe what else you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a I'm I by my day job has always been a chiropractor. I got out of school in 2014 and worked at a couple of guys' offices. Didn't open our own, and my wife's a chiropractor also. Um, but then I was, and I had, my mom had always been doing a little bit of real estate when we were growing up, and not a lot. She had a few houses that she flipped, so I was always interested and always interested in kind of being my own boss and kind of having that lifestyle, like the entrepreneur lifestyle. Um, so I worked at these other offices and I had kept dreaming about buying property, but in Nashville, it is pretty expensive. I mean, the, to get in is most even like lots or, you know, in a couple hundred thousands of thousands. So it, it, it took a little time, but then I ended up having a motorcycle accident, um, got, had an accident and then that kind of like woke me up and I, I couldn't be a chiropractor for a little, for quite a while. Cause I was on crutches. So I was doing this remote job and then I just started looking at real estate like every day and every day and every day and ended up finding our first house that we bought in 2017 by far the ugliest house on the block <laughs> not even close not even close um but and then went in and renovated ourselves did everything wrong and then learned a lot and then rented it for several years and that was you know that was the step one and then 2018 bought another one 2019 bought two more um and we bought two more in 2020 so Awesome. Yeah, it's like kept kept buying and and you have uh some some other properties as well besides the single family houses you also tell us about your commercial property yeah so we most of our properties are here in nashville tennessee where where we live and then but i'm from evansville indiana and we we currently own a five unit small apartment building up there that does great rents great um, it's right downtown. And then about a mile away from that, still downtown, we own a 22,000 square foot uh, commercial building. It's a mostly warehouse space. Um, it's divided into three categories. One's about 12,000 square feet. Another one's about eight. And the other one's about 4,000. So currently we have one tenant in, in 10,000 of the square feet and his rent covers the whole um, note on the building. And then we have built out that other 4,000 into mini storage because there's a lot of apartments being built in this downtown area so it's it, there's no apart there's no uh mini storage so those are those are just finishing up right now and then the other um square footage is being possibly turned built out for like a restaurant food hall concept so. awesome 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 uh, and we i remember we spoke on the phone telling me about that uh, we loved the the um we had one here in baton rouge where i'm located and um Unfortunately, COVID put it out of business, but it was my wife's favorite spot. And I really enjoyed it because, you know, whatever she was going to get, I didn't like necessarily have to go with that yeah. option. I'm like, yeah, you go to the taco stand. I'm going to get a cheeseburger right here, you know? Yeah, exactly. That kind of That's 
that's kind of why we kind of liked it too. And really, I don't want, I'm not in food service and I don't want to be in food service, but I, I, don't, I like being a landlord. So we'll just rent sure. the spaces out and then do it that way. And, and it still, it seems like it'll be a good job. And we bought the building for, we got such a great price on the building. They, you know, it was a, a distressed owner who needed to get out. And so we, we got it and we got it for no money down. They, they financed the down payment for us. And so it was a, it was a great deal. Zero money out of oh, pocket. Wow. And it already pays wow. for itself. So. Well, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. So I, there's a few, there's a bunch of questions I have and I need to start taking yeah. notes while people are telling their story. Cause I generally have like four questions <laughs> and only remember two of them as, cause I can only ask one at a time. So the first one is, I just, is more of a comment about what you said about the first house being the ugliest house on the block and you're doing all the work yourself and you made a bunch of mistakes. I love that because it, it's just so naturally a part of your story today. I, I imagine during the process of going through it, you're like, what the hell have we gotten ourselves into? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, you know, I, my first house, um, it, it didn't make any money the first year. It was, it was like a, there was, there was like $10,000 in surprise plumbing work that like would have wiped out my $5,000 in cash flow profit. Mm -hmm. And people, but people like constantly come to me with this state of analysis paralysis. We're like, well, 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 well what about this deal? I mean, do you think, what if, what if this, I'm like, dude, just yeah. do it. You're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose money. Like hopefully you lose money. Hopefully you screw up and learn from it. Like as long you gotta as you learn. Yeah. That's what I tell everyone too. It's like the first one's the hardest it's you you don't know anything so you're gonna learn a lot and that's what i did i mean i was i was doing the, like we were doing this renovation i didn't have the right tools so i'm like using the wrong <laughs> tools to try to do it and it's like i'll never do that again i'll again i don't mind still doing some of the work myself but at the same time like you can pay this other guy who's way better and way faster and and he'll do yeah. it to get it done and you know because we ate a lot of months i mean it took us a long time to get it like we bought it in in may and didn't even rent it it took us like six months and not, i mean it it wasn't i mean we didn't replace the roof we didn't replace a lot of that it was like flooring cabinets you know bathroom vanities and things like that so but it's like something that a, a good little if you had some subcontractors could knock out in two weeks right but yeah, i think a lot of times this whole like i want to save money and do it myself thing is so impractical because it's a good very good point like most of the time other people can do it better than you I was like oh, that with yeah. property management. I wouldn't let go of property management until it almost got me to like completely quit the industry. And then like yeah. when I turned it over, like they were way better at it than me. And that like the money, <laughs> the money I was spending to pay their property management fee was being covered by the amount that they were saving on the maintenance. You know what I mean? Like I was overpaying yeah. for help with maintenance. I was, you know, letting stuff go and it would end up being way more expensive by the time I did address it. So like all the crap I was doing terribly, like yeah. they, they, they were handling more efficiently because they had guys that they used all the time. And, and you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like it ended up paying for itself. Cause I was just so bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like I still manage some of the properties in Nashville just because it, it's, I've got an app and it, it's pretty easy here. Like one of them's a condo. So there's really no maintenance to there at all. So that's great. Yeah. They, and then we, the other couple of houses, I just, I still manage them. I'm, I want to, I just haven't found a good property manager here that is reasonably priced in Evansville, where we had that five unit we've gone through. We had initially had a property manager who was awful, did everything wrong. And, and, but you got to learn. So, I mean, sure. like they were charging us for, uh, I mean, pest control and weed control 
like bi-weekly and I just hadn't checked it fast enough and we don't even have any, there's no grass. So I'm like, why are we going to <laughs> control? <laughs> and just, I think they're just filling the fees and, and, and pest control. And I was like asking the tenants, I was like, Oh yeah, have they come and spray? They're supposed to be spraying for, for pests. They've never been there. I was like, and like these yeah. people live there all the time. So I was like, so we fired them and found a really, we love our property manager now. They're phenomenal. It's so low stress. They, I would, I would use them over and over and over again. So yeah. Property managers are, are funny because a lot of folks like will pick one with the lowest like management fee, mm-hmm. but like, that's like, like just the tip of the iceberg really. Cause like, yeah, you know, a lot like my property manager doesn't, doesn't charge me a fee to fill the units and they, they don't upcharge yeah. on the maintenance. So like, like they, I pay a full 10%, but I mean, I guarantee you I'm getting out way ahead over people yeah. that are paying a, a, an entire month's rent to fill a unit or I'm going to upcharge your maintenance 25%. I know those are what's contract. terrible is, you know, you have those down times and they're, they're feeing you like crazy. And I, ours, ours is the same way. They've got a maintenance staff on, on like in hand and they're just paying them hourly. So anything that they can do the maintenance staff without, I mean, obviously if a plumber, if we have a big plumbing issue or something, we have to pay for that, but they've got their in-house that does all of the standard maintenance and they don't, we don't get upcharged. It's just the hourly rate and it works out great. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you'd mentioned, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to be in a market where, and there's, there's certainly a lot of negative aspects about the market I live in. Like I don't buy large multifamily properties here, but um, it is yeah. great for these small properties that cash flow real well because of the, mm-hmm. the um, rent to price ratio. I mean, it sounds like you were in a market that is not quite the same. You know, we, we hear this a well, lot like- about like, California and New York folks where the price yeah. is through the roof and you can't barely make anything cash flow. Have you ever considered going out of market? It sounds like you have gone out of market. Well, that's, yeah, that's one of the main reasons we went to Evansville is because we were looking here and for, for trying to get some, some duplexes and triplexes. I mean, even a, cause one of the things that we did on that first house that we bought is a lot of the neighborhoods here, you can buy a house and rezone it or if it's a duplex you don't have to rezone it and tear it down and build two new houses so we did that um in 2020 so last year we built we tore down that original really ugly house and built two new houses and and the math really does make sense if you find a good builder and and we bought it right but you know you have it it's expensive and it it, but you find them like now it's like we had a really bad lender when we first did it because but i interviewed like 15 of them how do you finance something like that well, so you can go, we've got a local bank that we use now. And so you go straight to them when you're getting either the house or the lot. And I mean, you could, you could do it two ways. We went to, we went to them and got a construction loan to buy out our previous loan. And then so they have the price of the property plus the, you go to the contractor and you'll get a bank budget and they'll give you an estimate on what. So our houses roughly cost $127 a square foot to build. And they were 2,500 square foot houses each. So we needed 750 to pay off the loan, roughly 750,000. So then they just, you go to them and they give you draws and then, yeah, yeah it worked out great. And we, we've only, we've used that guy, this most recent bank, the, the, the one time, which was great. We used an out of the state one out of New Jersey and it was awful. So find, you know, finding the right banking contact is mm. huge. Like, and it's so much cheaper with this guy. Like we were, we, the, the rates way better. So that's, I mean, you know, those are things you learn. Now, 
so yeah there's there you do learn a lot about the banks there one of my biggest pet peeves on on banks and it sounds like you're well aware of this concept if you interviewed 15 of them but uh yeah. just if a bank doesn't do something if like that particular bank it like doesn't do a certain type of loan they'll tell you nobody does and like yeah. There's so many poor souls out there who like believe them and like, Oh, the first two banks told me it's not possible. I guess I'll give up and go home when in reality, you know, you just keep calling, you know, you call 20 something banks, you'll find somebody does it just cause they don't do it. Doesn't mean nobody does it. Exactly. And that's, we've had, cause we had another like refi that we, we didn't want the seasoning period and they're like, Oh, everyone's got a seasoning period. That's exactly not, what they told me. Everyone's got a seasoning <laughs> period. So you go, you just got to keep looking. And you, luckily I think these smaller, more aggressive banks that, you know, those are the yeah. ones you can go to. You don't, can't go to the bigger ones. And, I, and that, helps. that, that is the exact scenario that, that I'm talking about. So on my first, like my first two houses were traditional. Like, you know, I just did a 30 year loan with like 15% down. And then my mm -hmm. third one was, it was, it was really like kind of out of the box. It was a set of duplexes and I did a, I did a, like a, a burr type deal, but it was like, it was a cash out refinance and it was it was real complex because i didn't have the money or the experience so i had like a friend of mine that flipped houses buy buy the property use his investors capital to fix it up add me to the title and then i came in and did a cash out refinance at the end to buy them off and yeah. so it was like it was essential that like i could do a cash out refinance day one on title and some of the banks were looking at as a sale versus a refi and, and this yeah. and that and the banks that didn't want to do it sat there and like you know, nobody's going to do that new quit. Stop trying. Nobody's going to do it. And I'm like, and, and after it worked, I like, I really kind of wanted to go back and be like, Hey, you either lied or you don't know what you're talking about. So either way, I don't yeah. want to do business with you. I um, know we've gone through some bad banks and, and yeah, it's, it's nice when you do finally find the good ones. And if you get, if you got the banker's number, you can call them. That's how I, in Evansville and in Nashville, we finally gotten to that point where, I feel good about, I can call this guy anytime he'll get, he'll get back to me because you get with some of them and they just don't even respond. And, and it's just, it takes, or it takes a long time. And it's like, when you're yeah. looking in Nashville, you don't have a lot of time, you know, you right. got to be ready to go, Hey, can I, can we make sure, can we get 750 to do this? Or, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, responsiveness and sense of urgency is like the number one trait I look for in any vendor of any sort. Like, and maybe that's just cause I'm incredibly impatient, but I feel like the world out there is fast paced in this industry and you gotta be that way. So, yeah. you know, I, in that situation that I, I described in that first one with the duplexes, the bank that said they were going to do it last minute pulled out and they said, um, they said they would do a loan to call 80% loan to cost. I said, well, that doesn't work that way. Like we verified yeah. up front, we had to do loan to value to pay everybody off. So I called 20 banks and, and said, Hey, first one to get it done, you know, gets the business. And the, and this yeah. girl at one of the local banks got it done in like, in like three hours, she goes, you're approved. I'll do it. I'll be there Tuesday. And I'm yeah. like, I never look back and I've used her on yeah. every single deal since. And I pay uh, higher fees find to use her. I like, I, I looked, I looked at a, I'm buying two houses right now with her and I looked at the hood and it made me cringe. I was like, Whoa, man, that's, that's a lot of fees on there. But that like her sense of urgency and responsiveness is worth yeah. it to me. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, there's some things you're going to pay a little extra just to have somebody, you know, you know, they're going to show up, you know, they're going to get it done. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So, so how, how did you fund the other single family houses that you did? So 
we've most of the time, like I've got a partner that we kind of, that I work with for most of mine and he, he lives in Ohio now, but we were college buddies. Um, so we, we've normally just financed them. You know, we, we put the money down, but with the bank, like sometimes we've gotten lucky and only had to put 10% down. Uh, we did a couple, two, done two deals that were owner finance, like I said. So essentially they just covered the down payment and we pay them a couple hundred bucks a month. And that was, now, and then we now, can refi out of that. Or, now, so uh, the two owner finance deals, I, I want to dive a little bit more into those. The, um, are you talking about is, was that the apart, the five unit complex and the commercial no, property? The commercial property was, um, so it was $250,000, which is substantially cheap for a building that size. Sure. I mean, the lot's worth more than that, but so it's 250,000. So we needed roughly like 54, like at closing, we needed like 54,000. And we, I mean, we, we didn't want to bring it because we knew there was some money we needed to put into part of the roof and some other sure. things. So we were like, well, we'll buy the building. We'll give you the full ask, but you just owner finance the down, like the down payment. So he would get Got his, it. his money. We just didn't have to bring the 50,000 and then he just financed it. We paid, we pay him a monthly. We have up to five years to pay it off. We can pay it off. There's no prepayment penalty or anything. So, so that work has worked out. We've had that property for a little over a year and it's worked out great. We pay him monthly and he's happy. He got the building sold. He just needed the cash and, and yeah. get out of it. He sold a business. And, and then the other one, the other one was different because it wasn't just a, it was an owner finance for the just down payment is owner finance for the whole house. So it was a guy in Nashville. He bought this house and it was, he bought it for probably 10. If you bought before 2007 here, you made out like, <laughs> I mean, you're crushing life because you could buy these houses for, you know, 20,000. And now just the lot is worth 250 or 300,000. So he's got, I mean, he, this guy's paid, the house is paid off, whatever he, we, he gave us 18 months. We, we paid him 10 grand down just essentially to, to hold it and then we pay him 1200 bucks a month and he just holds the note we're going to refinance out where we just finished renovating it right now we're going to put renters in it so it was it was 260,000 paid him 10 and we pay him yeah it's 1250 bucks a month yeah. that's what that's the rent he was getting as a, a section 8 housing i guess so. I, I love how um how you said there's no prepayment penalty because there's there's people get like, I think there's such a construct in the, in the market for like financing, especially like new investors coming in that maybe don't have the financial means that like, you know, we mm -hmm. might, like coming in as, as, as professionals from other careers, right. We're, we're the darlings to the banks. They're like, Oh, W2 income. Yeah. Whatever you need, you know, but a lot yeah. of folks that you, that you run into they're they're kind of like, they're, they're starting as wholesalers, you know, they, they just, they're, mm -hmm. they're not coming from the same, you know, financial position that, that we came into this thing for. And so I think they get hooked on the concept of seller financing because it's, it's their easy way in. But, you know, my experience with that has been that like, just because you can, just because it's a seller finance deal, doesn't mean it's a, it's a great deal and, and watch for what, what the terms are, because I have a bunch of seller finance properties right now that I was, I was happy as could be to get at the time because it was like, very, very low amount of money down. But um, I would love to refinance them now because rates have just, you know, fallen off oh, the cliff. Yeah. And and there, I have a 5% prepayment penalty on them for the next five years. So I'm kind of like yeah. stuck in these in these higher rate deals. Yeah, and I always try to get that in because I don't know where I'm going to be in a little bit. And sometimes like, yeah, like you said, the rates are so great. I just want to, I want to refinance all these things as fast as I can and go ahead and get their money paid off and be done. Um but yeah, I, that's like, I know a lot of people like who talk to me because I, I still, I don't consider myself a, a seasoned investor yet. I still, I mean, I've, I've experienced, but I'm not, 
you know, I'm not an expert yet, but it's, you never are, really are probably. In this, sure, sure. It, you know, and I've got, I love talking to people who are like you always say six months or a year ahead of you. And I think that's almost better than, cause I've got, I've, you know, I go to the local events here and some of the guys mm. are probably 20 years ahead of me right. and that's almost to too far. That connection. Yeah. 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 They're like, Oh, I've got 1600 units and they're here, here, here now. I'm like, I'd love to be there, but I, I got this, you know, I'm skipping a few steps if I go straight to you. So I love talking to the guys who were just getting out and finding that first 50 unit building. Cause that's, that's where I want to be in the next, you know, 18 months is, is put, finding, you know, I, I had a group of guys that we were talking about going in on 120 unit in Evans or like outside of Evansville where I'm from. And, and it was only about a $1.5 million deal, but they had like 26 investors involved. Uh-huh. And I, I personally. 120 yeah. unit for 1.5 million. What is that? 10,000 a door. It, this place was pretty bad, but yeah, I mean, it, it needed a lot, but yeah, it was, it was a stupid cheap deal. It was a mom and pop. Somebody knew the people who were selling it. And I don't think they, you know, they didn't know what they had because it was, yeah. But there were so many investors involved and I, people were butting heads. And and so I just didn't end up doing anything with it. But I mean, I kicked myself because I I should have, but yeah. I can't um, think of a market, a market that that wouldn't work in 10,000 a door. No, it definitely works. It definitely works. Rents are lower there, and, but it's a blue, Evansville is a very blue collar. It's a, it's got a, I mean, it's got good blue collar business. Toyota has a big plant. There's a lot of plastic facilities. And so it's, it's a good size city. And so it, it is good for multifamily. And so I'd love to and, and kind of into that Kentucky kind of area and is good. Like it's right on the river, but that's the next step for us is getting something larger, a, a 30, 40, 50, 100, somewhere in there. And, and sure. But what we would like to do is kind of as little amount of investors as we, I know, I know you guys are big into the syndication and not a lot of people are, but right now I think our goal is we, we have had some other people invest with us, like give us 50 grand and we'll go buy this house mm-hmm. and we'll pay them back out. But I haven't gotten to the point where we're like syndicating deals and I, I'd love to learn more about it. I just, you know, I think more people sometimes adds more headaches, but you know, I've yeah. never done it. So I don't know. So there is, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's certainly a concern of a lot of people. I'll, I'll say this though, with syndication, the way that syndication is set up is you, ha- you typically have a s- very small group of general partners and mm-hmm. then, you know, all the investors are, are limited partners. So, Yep. I don't, I don't know if this is like, you know, you, you, you want to go around saying this kind of thing, but re- realistically the limited partners don't have any say in anything. Well, yeah. I mean, but it, when, when we do it and they're friends or something and they, right. you know, I just feel like it could, I know they don't really have any say like legally or, or, and, but yeah, you know, it's like, Oh, I think we could do this or this. And then you don't do it. And just, you know, they, I don't well, know. What my experience with that has been, because you're hundred percent right. Like everybody that invested in our last deal was, was a friend of mine and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever treat them like that, but yeah. nobody's ever even suggested. Cause I think they see the oh, amount right. of time and energy. They that know that I, you're, yeah, you know what you're doing. And, and that's how most of my friends would be too. But uh, you know, I just, I think these are just things I'm thinking of as what could go wrong kind of thing. And I always like think of that, but I'm, you know, syndication is the, natural progression and, and that's where we're probably going to be and i and i hope to be there you know and just got to get there first and... yeah absolutely so i um w- so what are your next steps to try and get there uh well so we've got a like we've got our commercial um broker that does a lot of like looks around in evansville and tries to find some off-market deals and, um, i think that's a market that we're looking at just because i know yeah. it and 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 i'm comfortable and, I, and i'm 
familiar with somewhere within an hour of there, just because I don't buying in Nashville. I, as I think the city is going to keep going up and do that. And I, I like Nashville for that appreciation play. I mean, we, mm. we do every property we have appreciates like crazy, but it's just so expensive to get in. And, and I don't want to buy now at a, like what it seems to be a semi a peak. And then it, right. it doesn't go up at the rate that you think or, you know, something like that. So from a bigger, you know, buying more units and rental cash flow, I love the smaller market, like in Evansville, yeah. like it's, it's, you know, it's still, it's outside. It's still got a lot of, now, of good things. Ge- geographically, you're closer to um, like a Memphis than an Evansville, huh? Or is they about the same distance? No, Evansville is only two hours, two hours and 20 minutes north of here. Memphis is about three and a half, almost four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I know I've got some friends who, I think I just don't, I've only been to Memphis a handful of times. My wife's sister lived there for a little while. I think there are great areas there and you can get a lot of bang for your buck. I just know that there are some areas that are just yeah, pretty yeah. bad. And, and I think we talked yeah. about this enough. Like Memphis is, is like, um, like new Orleans where you could have like a million dollar house and then a block over, you can have like a $20,000 crack house. And it's, yeah. And if you don't know yeah. the area, like I don't, I live an hour away from new Orleans. I worked in new Orleans for, seven years and I don't invest in New Orleans because I don't know it well enough. Like when people yeah, send I really me a deal, knowing... I just don't know. And without <laughs> yeah. getting in my car and driving an hour, every time I analyze a deal, which is just not, it, it's mm-hmm. not practical. I, I, I just, yeah. so I just don't do it. I probably yeah, lose I just, a lot of I good feel, deals. I know. And that's, I'm the same way as like, I feel comfortable. I would love to be within two hours of the properties we have so I can get there you know, and that's, it's kind of a me not being able to let go thing. Like, I mean, with the property manager in Evansville, I've learned to let go a lot. Yeah. You know, they've been handling a lot of stuff, but you know, it's like, you want to be there. If something goes wrong, you want to be able to get there. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want a tenant who if the roof caves in on them. I want to be there, be able to get there and make sure it's going to get fixed. So they're not, sure. you know, slumming it or do whatever. It's like, I know some people like don't take care of their people that way. And that's, I would feel miserable with that. If I was renting from somebody and my landlord oh. wasn't like oh, instantly my- there my wife uh, often accused me of taking better care of our tenants than we I did at our own house. Yeah. She, oh, I, I, I would race somewhere in the middle of the night. She's like, what do you go? It's, oh, it's a leak or it's this. And she's like, if that happened in our house, like you would take care of it next Saturday or something. Yeah. Oh, I know. And then my wife says the same thing. Like, I know we, one time we were on vacation in Paris, we were out of the country and the pipes froze on one of ours. So they didn't have water, but we were gone for 10 days and they had, they had shot me a message, but I didn't have service over there. So finally, when I got it, we had to like leave early, come back because they had been without water for like six days. And I was like freaking out. And it was, I was like trying to get plumbers, but it was like a thing where everybody's pipes were froze. I couldn't get a plumber to get here. So I came back and was doing it like underneath this house myself. We just got (laughs) off a flight from Paris and I'm like, you know, dead tired and just going over there crawling underneath the house with like a you know kerosene heater trying to heat up their pipes yeah <laughs> oh, well, stuff. Let's, let's hop over to our, our radio round real quick um just three questions to help our listeners get to you i'm sure you're familiar with it if you listen to the yeah. show the first was yeah. what's your favorite book you know, I mean, I, I love reading. And, and and so one book that I read every year just to kind of, it's a more of a motivational than it really is real estate. It's The Slight Edge. I don't know if you ever read that, but it's it's just talking about like baby, you take little steps, which, you know, equate to, a, you know, a bigger, a bigger thing. So I read that every yeah. year. It's just a yeah. really good book in that. It's more, more self-help than, yeah, than yeah, real estate no, mine. Well, I, I mean, the I'm huge into the self-help 
and, and every yeah. successful person I know is huge into this stuff. So, and every unsuccessful person I know can make fun of you and tell you how hokey the self-help stuff is. Yeah. But there's, um, there is, you know, a lot to be said about that concept of, of just slow, steady, consistent habits over time is what mm-hmm. really, it's not, it's very few giant leaps, you know, nobody's exactly. going out and, and like, you know, winning the national championship like that that's what made the it's it's like it's going to practice yeah. every single day it's it's yeah. you know you, you lose weight oh you don't you don't go and do like this insane intense workout and then like lose eight pounds overnight you like you do consistent steady workouts for six yep. months while you eat you and take and make them a little bit longer it's like if you worked out for 30 minutes the one day work out for 31 minutes the next and 32 right. minutes and then in two weeks you've been working out for an hour and i like i love that mindset of like you just add a little bit to it you know and use it it's those baby steps it's read 10 pages a day it's you know yeah. do those little things that will equate to a big outcome so i'm actually right. doing uh 75 hard right now have you heard of that challenge i've heard you talk about it on your podcast and i didn't know what it was until and then i was like looking it up but yeah how's yeah. that going it's going great so um i'm very satisfied i mean i'm i think i'm like 30 one 32 days in but I'm, I'm very satisfied with like the physical progress I've made and I just finished a really good book you know one of the things that like one of the things that it, it kind of has brought to my attention is like how many excuses I, I usually make you know like you know I used to read a lot but now I got kids and properties and job, all this stuff and I'm like mm-hmm. oh I just don't have time to read I'll listen to audiobooks well it's not the same you're not you're not yeah. really digesting it the way you would if you read it and it you know, I'm a really slow reader. It takes me 30 minutes to read 10 pages, but I mean, I just finished a huge book that, you know, cause I've read 10 pages a day and like looking yeah. back now, I'm like, well, there you go. 300 pages. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's something that I'm going to incorporate. You know, I want to continue even after I'm done 75 hard because it's easy. I, I, I can, I can make time to do two. Separate it's one of those things that just have to make it a habit. It's easy to do, but it's easy not to do. And that's right. That's what I like that book is I read it every year for that reason, because it does it motivate you to just, it's like, yeah, it's easy not to get up at, you know, 30 minutes earlier and do a little workout or an hour earlier. It's easy not to put your running shoes on and go outside and run a couple miles, but Absolutely. it's easy to do it too. Once you get, once you get used to it. hundred percent. I'm going to check it out. What is your favorite quote? So that's one of them from, um, you know, I think it was in that book. I just always, I always, I write this quote down. I'm big about like journaling and, and writing my goals um, down. So this was absolutely. one. I have journaled and written my goals down every morning for the last 400 and something days in a row. I mean, I, I think that you know, it really just even subconsciously, it just when you have that and like have, I know that's a lot of these podcasts, you know, talk about like have your vision board of like where you want to be and what you want to do. And it's amazing. Like I look, went back and look at a vision board from like two years ago and like we have half the stuff on there. Right, right. Like that's perfect. And it, you don't even think about it. You're like, man, I didn't even realize we did do that. I've but written, it is I've written nice. my, I've written my goals down at the, like the end of the previous year, every year since 2014. And and so I can pull it up in my notes in my phone where I have my goals every 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. And sure enough, I'm hitting them along the way. But but in 2020, the beginning of 2020 was when I got intense about writing them down daily. And I got these yeah. little, uh, I got these little journal I like. And so I ordered mm-hmm. like 12 of them off of Amazon and I keep filling yeah. them up and just stacking them up in my drawer. 
No, no, I love doing that. Um, that's what I was going to say. My, my quote that we, um, cause I write like writing those quotes down and reading them. My wife's big sure. on reading these things every day. And, and you, yeah. you know, cause you have to just, you have to say, it. you can't just, you can't just put it in your phone and never look at it, you know, right. or like a lot of people like do that. But, um, so it was a journey starts with a single step, not with thinking about taking a single step. <laughs> nice. you know? Yeah. I mean, cause I know you're, like you said, you have so many people who just like, Oh, well I'm overthinking. It's like, you just got to jump in and do it. And then you'll just, you'll learn. And you know, it just Absolutely. takes time, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Oh, uh, I mean, my, we love the outdoors. So we like, we go, we go to the lake a lot, go boating, go camping, hiking. Um, I'm a big sports guy. I'm a diehard Purdue Boilermaker fan. Go Drew Brees. Um, <laughs> nice. uh, so I love, love playing basketball, love just being outside and doing that. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for having us. And I really hope that you can come back on in a year and tell us about your first uh, large apartment deal. So I will definitely uh, be keeping an eye on your progress and watching your journey. And we will, uh, we're in, uh, anxiously anticipating your return to uh, yeah, I hope so. tell us about your, your next big deal. How can, yeah, our, I can't how can our, how can our listeners find out more about you and get in touch with you and learn from you? Because if you want to go buy a bunch of apartment complexes with a bunch of other people's money, you need to start networking like crazy. <laughs> I know so. that's, that's, I'm definitely slacking in that department. I've been a, been a small group kind of guy, but yeah, I mean, right now it's either through, I've kind of not, I, I got rid of some social media stuff just to try to focus, you know, not be so distracted, but uh, I do, I still have LinkedIn um, is a great way to do it. Just Jacob Banizer and then just email or phone. My email is just J-A-V-A-N-H-O-O at Gmail. And then my phone number is 812-604-7937. Awesome. Jacob, thank you so much for having us and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com, or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.